it's great to be here this morning and be able to, to share with you what God has uh, laid upon my heart and just praying for Pastor Tim as he uh, preaches again uh, this evening. He called me earlier. It's in the afternoon there, and he's going to be sharing again uh, this afternoon. And God's using him powerfully um, and the team that he's with over in Ukraine. So I'm just grateful and thankful for the opportunity to be able to share this morning. And Pastor Tim has been in the book of Acts, and he's been sharing about uh, being empowered to advance, to advance the gospel. And um, it's a, been a look at the early church and how God has powerfully advanced the gospel and advanced the church. And we see it growing abundantly. And uh, I believe that can still happen and is still happening today. And Christ left us with a command to go, to go and to share the gospel. And as he did, he sent the Holy Spirit to, to empower us to do that in Acts chapter 1. And it's just a tremendous example of um, God sending and, and providing the power that we need to advance the gospel, to be empowered to go. And as we think about that this morning, um, I think about uh, how we as a church need to come together as in the early church, to advance the gospel and be one body, one advancing body of the gospel. And um, I think about the body as a whole, okay? We have all of us out here, we all have different abilities and, and different talents, and God has gifted us in different ways, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, uh, about that more in a minute, but um, I think about the body as a whole, and this winter... Um, I was upstairs, and I had uh, Megan with me up there, and we were taking down some of the decorations in the rec room upstairs, and I was on a chair, and I was stepping down, probably done it a million times, and as I stepped down, all my weight rolled on my right ankle, and immediately I went down. It's probably the, the worst feeling I think I've ever had when I've, and I've sprained ankles lots of times, but all of my weight coming down on that right ankle, and it just rolled over, and immediately, the rest of my body jumps into action, you know, to nurture or take care of of that ankle, immediately. I mean, the pain just resonated up my leg, and of course, immediately, my hands go into action to try and support my, my ankle and my, my leg, and Megan, she doesn't know what to do. She's freaking out. She's like, are you okay? Are you okay? Uh, and I'm laying there. I'm like, just let me, let me lay here. Let me lay here. I was so glad that the floor, I had on a t-shirt, I was so glad that the floor was just freezing because at that moment when you hurt your body like that, you just go into those unbelievable sweat, you know, it's like pain sweat, you know, and so I'm laying there on the floor, and I, I'm feeling like I'm going to vomit. It hurts so bad. And I'm just laying there. She's like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, just let me lay here for a minute. Let me lay here for a minute. And uh, so she's like, do I need to help you get up? And so I'm laying there. I'm holding my ankle and I'm kind of turning it out so that the, you know, the pressure of rolling it, you know, it's already starting to swell. I mean, immediately. So my hands are kind of supporting that and, and holding it up in the air because I didn't want to put it down at all because the, the pain was immense. I'm just thinking, please don't be broken. Please don't be broken. Please don't be broken. So it gets to a, a manageable point. And at that time, I think Megan had ran to get uh, Ken, and Ken came upstairs, and they're like, well, let's get you to the couch. You know, so they helped me get to the couch, and, and I put, put it up on, on the uh, coffee table that's up there. And, but I could feel the rest of my body just kind of going into action to help aid that ankle. Of course, you know, when I went to leave, it was like, okay, we dropped everything we were doing. I'm like, okay, we got to get, get me back down to the office. And of course, Ken went and got the wheelchair, and they wheeled me all the way back to the other end. And then I had to drive home. And, uh, but my body is going in, into action to take care of that. You know, so my left leg is taking on more responsibility because my right leg is dysfunctional at the moment. Of course, my arms and my upper body and trying to move myself and and everything's working together to aid that ankle, okay? 
So if we think about the body of Christ as a whole, coming together, working together as a unit, even amidst times where we get injured or we're struggling, we're coming together and working together to advance the gospel. Okay, So um, even though it's still sore, even I was... You know, in January when I was taking stuff down, I still feel that, and my body still compensates. That leg still compensates for that soreness, that, that injury that's there. But when I think about that, we are the body. We are one body, the body of Christ. And so I think about, I think, when I think about that, I think, well, what, is that, what does that mean? What does that mean? We come, we come to church, and... We see each other and we connect and we're in small group together and we're reading God's word and um, we have all these things that are going on in our life and we have ministry things that we're doing and, and hosting and host homes and sharing with people and connecting with people uh, as the body. And I think about what, what does that mean? How does, how does that happen? How do we come together as one? How does this apply directly to me? as part of this larger body. Not just this service. There's people in Sunday school. There's people that be in the second service. There's people that aren't here today. Or the larger body, the body of Christ. Not just this physical church, but all of us globally. Pastor Tim is in the Ukraine. His team is there. The body of believers that is there. How do we come together as one body? And that takes us to uh, the passage that I'm going to share today. And this will be empowered to advance as one body. And I've asked uh, Katie Hall to uh, share uh, God's word with us this morning. And I'm so thankful and grateful for Katie. And that's one of the reasons why I asked her to, to come and share this morning. Oops, step right there. Is uh, Katie loves the Lord. And she is about advancing the gospel. And uh, so I've asked her to... I think I got to turn this on here. There, that's on. To read the scripture this morning, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, so follow along with us. Uh, it's going to be on the screen for you too, but I encourage you to, you guys have your Bibles with you this morning. Or scroll, get them out, okay, because <laughs> she's going to read with us. So Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 16. Go ahead, Biggie. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Um, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will, be all thing, we, sorry, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Awesome. Thank you very much. Hi, Miss Corey's going to get you here. Thank you, Corey. Thank you, Katie. I just thank the Lord for her. She is, she is such an encourager, and um, 
God is using her in tremendous ways to, to reach her friends, and she continually connects with them, and she's an encourager here at church, and, you know, I don't know if she's, you've ever been around her. Get to know Katie. She's one of those people that encourages the body, encourages the body of Christ. I'm so thankful for her and her love for the Lord. Uh, thank you for reading that this morning. But as we look at the scripture that she just read to us this morning, the question is, how, how does the body, how to be one body together? Okay? All these different personalities, sometimes we clash, sometimes we get together, sometimes we're on the same page. But how does this body work together? And as I think about that, uh, there's a few things, points that I want to I uh, address with you this morning. The first one being, Paul says in the very first verse, he says, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord. The prisoner of the Lord. So the first point here is, we must be prisoners for the Lord. We must be prisoners for the Lord. And when I think about the word prisoner, and you think about the word prisoner, our first thought is prison, then we have that negative, that negative thought, that negative connotation that goes with prison. Well, people that are in prison, well, they've done something bad, or, you know, they're there for a reason. But when we think about Paul when he says, I, I, the prisoner for the Lord, what do we think about? What comes to mind? Is it jail? Is it a negative thought? But no, Paul, Paul was a prisoner for Christ. He was a prisoner for Christ. So what, is, what does that mean? What does that mean for us? On behalf, Paul, on behalf of, in, in Ephesians, on behalf of the Gentiles, he was an evangelist. He was a prisoner for Christ in sharing the gospel to the Gentiles. In uh, Ephesians 3, verse 1, it says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. You have heard, haven't you, about the administration of God's grace that he gave to me for you. He was a prisoner for the gospel. And in chapter 2, if we go back there, we, Paul's talking about going from, from death to life. He was sharing the gospel so that people might go from death to life. And he was on mission for that. He was a prisoner for that. Okay? And it says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler who exercises authority over the lower heavens, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. But God, who in rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, he made us alive with the Messiah, even though we were dead in our trespasses. He provided an avenue to Christ for salvation. He was a prisoner to that. Where's all my gym goers? We have no gym goers in here. Nobody goes to the gym? There weren't your New Year's resolutions right out the window. Okay, Ron, Ron's got his hand up back there. Ron's been going to the gym. All right. You don't have to be ashamed. If you go to the gym, it's a good thing. Okay, getting the exercise. Uh, I try to be regular in going to the gym. Okay, and I have been for a while. I'm trying. I need to lose some, some, some weight, the doctor says, so... I'm working on that, but when I'm at the gym, okay, and I get ready to work out, sometimes my mind is like, I really don't want to be here. Uh, I don't want to get on this elliptical or pump these weights, but my mind almost takes over, and my body becomes subject to my mind and going, okay, we're going to work out, and my body starts moving. And I get about halfway through my elliptical routine, and I'm going, I want to stop. <laughs> but my body's going, my, my mind's going, nope, we're going to keep rolling. We're going to keep rolling. And my body becomes subject to what my mind is asking it to do. And it just keeps rolling and keeps rolling and keeps rolling and keeps rolling. 
Okay, by the time I get done, I'm exhausted. Okay, but I feel much better. I feel much better, even though my body had to become subject to my mind in going through that. It does. It submits to it. And it's better because of it. And it grows and it gets strengthened. And I feel the energy. And I'm working on losing the weight. Okay? Becoming more fit. But it all comes together. It all works together. It strengthens me. Helps me to grow. And Paul submitted to the Lord in his calling upon his life. He submitted to that. So if, if we're submitting as prisoners of the Lord and what we're doing and the calling that he has on his life, then that means something for us. That means that we have to walk the walk. Okay? We have to walk the walk. A lot of times we're real good with what? Talking the talk, right? Okay? We know the talk. We know the church talk. We know what we're supposed to do. We talk it out, but then... A lot of times in our, in our own life, in our own walk, we fall short on that and living it out, okay? There's times where I go to the gym, and instead of the elliptical or pumping the weights, I hop on the treadmill, and I'm on the treadmill for 45 minutes. And my mind didn't tell my body what I wanted it to, to get on the elliptical or to pump the weights to do what, what I really wanted, okay? And I fell short of what I normally talk when I'm going to the gym and my walk didn't match, okay? And we have a hard time with that, but we must walk the walk. Because he says in the second half of that first verse, it says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. To walk worthy of the calling that you have received. Your calling your calling in the Lord, to be a light for Him, to share the gospel, to connect with people, to see His kingdom expand. But we're called to what? How do we do that? If we're urged to walk worthy of the calling received, we've been called to oneness. This passage talks about it. It's gonna, we're going to talk about one one, 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 one in this passage. I heard it over and over. If you, if you look at Scripture, when there's words that are repeated, especially throughout a specific passage, that's important. Take note. Okay? And he uses the word one a bunch just within a couple of verses. Okay? So we want to take note of that. But we're called to oneness. We're called to come together as the body of Christ to work together, to serve together, to share together. So you're thinking, well, how do we do that? We can't all go to the same thing and same events and same friends and same people and acquaintances and same schools. We, we all go to all these different places. So how, do we, how are we called to oneness, to come together, to work together, to serve together, to share together? As one body. How do, we, how do we do that? Okay. So let's look at, at verse 2 and, and 3. It says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love, diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. I'm thinking, okay, those are some novel items, some novel things. So how does that... How does that look? Okay. Humility. Humility. Okay. How do we practice humility with one another? Okay. Simple could be we put others before ourselves. Amen. Right? We put others before ourselves. When we think about those that we serve with, those that we interact with, those that we connect with, that we see when we come here or out in, in the world that are believers living our lives in humility, putting others first, lifting them up, encourage us. That's one of the things I love about Katie. She's so humble in who she is, and she'd be like, don't talk about me this way. Uh, but I'm going to, 
Because she, she loves the Lord and it exhibits itself in humility and the way that she loves people, the way that she connects with people. Humility and gentleness, as it says here, finds itself playing out where we're slow to insist on our own rights. Right? A lot of times when we do things, we're like, well, it's got to be this way. It's gotta, we got to do it this way. Or, well, how is that going to work for me? We think about ministry. Well, does it fit in my schedule? Well, how's that going to work for me and what we're doing? Is it going to benefit me? We think that in our mind, okay? And sometimes that plays out in our life. Or like, but we need to be slow to insist on our own rights, okay? And put others first before us and what we're doing, whether it be believers or non-believers, thinking about who they are. Patience, woof. We hard, we, that's, that's a hard one right there. That's a hard one. Uh, where's Megan at? Megan Trout. She's in here somewhere. Oh, there she is over there. Um, we have a, a group me uh, forum, and uh, the students, college students communicate together, and, and somebody had posted on there to pray for patience for that person. <laughs> Megan gets on there, it's like, we're not supposed to pray for that. Okay. Why, why do we say that? Because when we pray for patience, that's one thing God's like, okay, you pray for patience. That normally comes with trial, you know, all those kind of things, the struggle that we learn those patience through. That's, people say that. But do we have the patience with one another? Are we caring for each other? Are we putting others first before us, being patient with them? Because then it goes on to say, Accepting one another in love. Accepting one another in love. That's hard too. Especially when we get injured. And we go, well, okay. I'm, I'm okay with that person. But inwardly, we boil. And we're like, ugh. And then we walk down the, the other way, down the, uh, you know, the, the hallway. Or We said we've, we're not injured. We, we're okay with the situation, but then we inwardly boil. Are we accepting one another in love? It should be an inner disposition of love. Because he first loved us. Walking accepting one another in love. So then I have to examine myself. And I have to say, it's only by God's grace do I have these rights. Do I have these things? Humility, gentleness, patience, accepting one another in love. And then I have to ask, are these my best qualities? Are these the best qualities in my life? Do they show themselves on a regular basis? basis with those I come in contact with? Or am I just talking the talk on the outside and not walking the walk on the inside and how it plays out in my life? Because that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where the rubber meets the road. Practically, in my life. Humility, gentleness, patience, accepting one another in love. Keeping the unity of the Spirit. Keeping the unity of the Spirit. And this only happens through Christ. Through His Spirit working in us to care for the body of Christ so that we can move as one in sharing the gospel, advancing the gospel. And this Spirit, unity of the Spirit, is essential to the health of the body. It's essential to the advancing of the gospel. It is essential in winning victory over Satan in our lives. That is a work of the Spirit. Okay? And I found in my own life, a lot of times, I try to do that on my own. Oh, I can take care of that. 
and I, and, I, and I bypass the work of the Spirit in my life. And every time, it turns out poorly. It turns out poorly because I'm not allowing the, the Spirit of unity, the Holy Spirit, to work in me. And for us as a church, the church, we have, we have got to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us to be one together to advance the gospel. Amen. To advance the gospel. To come together to see people's lives change for eternity. We have to allow the unity of the Spirit only through Him. I worked uh, in, in the automotive field for years and years and years and years doing automotive paint touch-up. Anybody know what that is? Okay, so like I worked on rock chips, bumper skins, scratches. Sometimes some of the bumpers that I would do were really bad, okay? We're talking whole tears in bumpers, and people would bring those to the dealership, and they'd be like, hey, can you fix that? I'm like, no, go buy a new, new bumper. Uh, no, I tried to fix them, some of them, okay? So dealers would buy cars from the auction, okay? And they bring them, and then they want me to fix them so that they can put them on the lot to sell, okay? Sometimes they would have whole tears in, in the bumpers. How many of you guys pull up to the curb at the grocery store or, or at, you know, a strip mall, and you pull right over that curb? You hear it go, and then when you go to back out, it goes, okay? And a lot of times that's where that tear happens because you snagged it on that curb, and then it rips the bumper, okay? So I'm fixing those kind of things on, on these cars. So we would use a bonding agent, okay, to be able to basically weld that plastic back together, okay? So there's two parts to it. You've got the glue part, and you've got the bumper, okay? And then there was a, a bonding agent that we would have to put into that glue, and you stir it up before you put it on there, and it would get super hot, and you'd put it on there on both sides, and you'd bring that bumper together, and it would weld. It would bond that bumper together, okay? And, of course, Al's back. You guys use that stuff? Okay. Sometimes. Or even, you know, Bondo, for that matter. Same type of thing. It's an agent comes together. And it would weld that bumper together, okay, so that I could then sand it, okay, smooth it out, um, put some putty over it, smooth it out, be able to paint it, and it would look like nothing ever happened, okay? So when we think about that, there's that catalyst, okay? Christ and the Holy Spirit is that catalyst, that bond within believers together as one. He bonds us together, that spirit of unity bringing us together for the gospel. And we're incapable of that on our own. Why? Why are we incapable of that? Because we get hurt. We fight inwardly within the church, within the body of Christ. We get hurt feelings. We get jealous people. We get bent out of shape. That's where that boil comes on the inside of us. Like, uh, I have to work with this person again. These people are irritating me. Now there's a saying uh, with, <laughs> within, the, within the church, ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people. Uh, but we do. We have to work with the people. We have to work together as the body of Christ. But we're incapable of that. It's hard to do. We get prideful. And when, when those things happen, we get inefficient. We're inefficient for the gospel. Because we're stuck. And we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us. To love each other. To become one as the body of Christ to see the gospel advance, to see his kingdom come, to see his kingdom grow all throughout the world. So number three, we must be one. We must be one. Verses four through six. Make sure I'm on time here. 
You guys got to listen faster, as Jim used to say. Uh, it says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called, one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. How can we be one if we're so diverse? As I look across this room, we've got young people, we've got older people, we have middle-aged. Some are mature in their faith, some are growing in their faith. We have all these different people. But we have to be one. We must be one. In Romans 12, 4 through 5, Paul talks a little bit about this. It says, now as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Individually members of one another. Some of us would go, I don't want that person to be part of me. Okay? We say that inwardly. But do we have that heart? of loving one another, okay? Coming together was one. So many different pieces of the puzzle, okay? It's not us that brings us together, or it's not me that brings us together. It's Christ as one body, the body of Christ. We are one body and one spirit who are called to one hope. He uses those words multiple times. The one, 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 one. Stressing the importance of many. Not just this church, but the church as a whole. As one body. One spirit that produces unity. That bond. That peace provider. Because we live in turmoil all the time. Don't we? We We live in inward turmoil all the time. All the stresses of life, all the things we got going, raising our kids, homework, school, pressures, all that turmoil going in us all the time. But he is the bond of unity. He is that unity provider. One hope, the hope of eternity. The Lucchesi sharing that video. They have that hope of eternity that one day, not only will they see their Savior and Lord first and foremost, They'll get to see their son again. They have that hope, that hope of eternity. One Lord. Jesus is the head of the body. He is sovereign. He owns us as believers. He loves us. He cares for us. He protects us. He is our Lord, our one Lord that we follow in one faith, one common belief, one common teaching. The scriptures, do you know it? I love having my physical Bible so I can see it and feel it and go back and look back and forth and find the scriptures and mark in it and all those kind of things. You know, phones are wonderful. You can't do that. Right here, have it and have it where you got it close and you can look at it and read it and know it. One baptism in Christ provides the evidence that all Christians, without discrimination as to color, race, gender, age, class, share in the grace of Christ. We share in His grace. Right up here, in His death, burial, and resurrection. Identifying with His death, burial, and resurrection in our own lives, being made new, to live and walk in the Spirit as one together in baptism, identifying with Christ's burial, his death, or his death, burial, and resurrection. One God and Father, it says. Not many gods. A lot of areas of the world, it's many gods. We have one God, one Father. Through the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, we are one. He is in control. He is in control. He 
He provided Christ and draws us close. Are you allowing him to work in you and through you to draw you close, not only to him, but to others? To others. We're the, the Davises. Todd and Tracy Davis, they're in here. There they are back there. I, you guys, I, I love it. It's like every week, I have to, it's like, where's Waldo? Trying to find him. They move around all over the place every week. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. There's others that do it. They move around every week. So they, they're meeting somebody new. They're looking for new people, somebody to connect with. That's, fan, that's awesome. Because they're wanting to connect with people as part of the body and know people as one body. Through the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, we are one. Again, He is the one that accomplishes this. We can't do this on our own. So then, how do we do that? Number four, we must apply His power. We must apply His power. Verse 7 says, Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Messiah's gifts. For it says, When he ascended on high, he took prisoners into captivity. He gave gifts to people. But uh, but But what does he ascended mean except that he descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fulfill all things. He is the one that provides the power. He is a risen Savior. He is a risen Savior. If he stays in the the grave, he's just another dead guy. He is just another dead guy. But we serve a risen Savior who provides us the power to be one as believers and to see his kingdom grow and share the gospel and disciple people. He provides that power. It's his grace an enabling power, not a saving power, an enabling power. I want that power because in my own strength, in my own strength, I'm not here this morning. I'm not up here this morning. I am grateful and thankful for my mom who prayed for me all the time. And I probably shared this before. You may have heard this. My mom prayed for us all the time growing up. And my mom, I was talking with her one time and just talking about my life and where I was at. And she's like, you know, one day you're going to be in full-time ministry. And I think I told her to be quiet and not say stuff like that. (laughs) And of course, here I am. But not in my own strength. That was the power of God working in me and through me that by His grace I'm here this morning sharing with you. Through Him, is He working in you that way? The turning point in our lives is when we go from the way that we see ourselves to the way that He sees us and the tools that He gives us. You are a tool in His hands. Do you see yourself that way? Do you see yourself that way? Do you see yourself as a tool in His hands for His glory and His honor? Because most of the time we don't. We're like, I can't do anything for God. I'm a nobody. You know what? He uses nobodies to accomplish His his glory and His honor. All throughout Scripture, you can one story after another. He used the nobodies Amen. in Scripture to accomplish His will. He has a purpose and a plan for you. He has gifted you. He has gifted you. That's a gift I want. We get all th- kinds of things for birthdays and Christmas. But I, I desire to have a gift from Him and a tool and be used by Him. Because He gifts us. God has gifted you. And it's a gift, it's, it's not a skill, not your skill. Do you recognize the gift in your life? 
where he's talented you, he's gifted you? Do you know where that is? Could be one among many. But we need to be using it for God's glory, to his benefit, for the body, the building up of the body. Okay? And he names some specific gifts in this passage, leaders and teachers, to help grow the body to become one. But he's gifted us all for his glory and his honor. He wants to use you, 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 and you. He wants to use you for his glory and his honor in the body of Christ as one together. His resurrected power working through us. But there's a couple of dangers here, though. Because sometimes we get prideful. And I want to give myself the credit for what God's doing. That's where that humility comes back in. i got to humble myself before Him. Or, the second danger is, we lose, we lose courage. And we say, I'm, I'm of no benefit. He can't use me. And we get discouraged. Don't let that be you. He has a plan and a purpose and a gift to use you for his glory and his honor. If you don't know what that is, some, some may go, well, I have, I have no clue what that is. Pray and ask God to show you what it is and where it is that he has gifted you. Maybe some of you are like, yeah, I know. And you're, and you're, and you're right in the sweet spot. Maybe you're teaching and leading or maybe you're doing homeless ministry, or maybe you're doing prison ministry, or whatever it might be, and you know this, this is where God has placed me. Continue to serve Him faithfully. Give Him the glory and the honor. And don't, don't get caught in that position where we get prideful. We're like, whew, I pulled that one off. All right. Okay? But we're giving God the glory and the honor. Second item on that is He trains us. Okay. If we read on, it says, All he personally, uh, and, and he personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the training of the saints and the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. He trains us. Not only does he gift us, but he trains us. He calls you. If he calls you, he will, he will give you the tools. He will train you that you need. He will give you the tools that you need to accomplish his will and his purpose. And you go, oh, really? Will he? Yes, he will. If he has called you and placed you and given the gifts that he's given you, He's going, to supply, he's going to supply all that you need to be able to accomplish His will. I've seen it over and over in my own life. I go, how in the world am I going to do that? I give it to Him. I trust Him for it. And I have to do my part. We have a part in that. Okay? There's God's part, our part, and then other people's part. Okay? And we have to do that, but He provides for that. And the third item is He, he matures us. He matures us into the unity of faith and knowledge of, the, of God's Son. As we grow together and mature in our walk with Christ, as we rely on the Holy Spirit, as we're in His Word, as we're understanding Him more, connecting together, being encouraged by one another, we grow into mature believers. And we're all engaged in spiritual labor together. I don't know how all this comes together, but he does. He works it all out. He takes each of us, and he grows us, and he binds us and brings us together in the Spirit to work as one, to labor together spiritually. He does it. He does it. Number five, we must rely on him for the results. We find unity in verse 13. 
In verse 14, we see that maturity where no one's tossed about, okay? We think about being tossed about, think about the guys in the boat with Jesus and the waves start going, okay? And they're getting tossed all over the place and Jesus is sleeping. They're like, Jesus, wake up. We're going to get thrown. And he calms the storm. But they were being thrown around. Or think about Peter and his own walk with Christ. Wishy-washy. Peter walked on water, and then the next minute he's saying, save me. He confesses Christ, and then later on he's denying him. God still used him in a powerful way, especially in the early church when he gave his life and wholeheartedly to him and walking with him. Or in Scripture, do you know God's Word? Are you one of those, well, that sounds good. That sounds right. Or do you know for sure? Do you know His truth? And you go, man, that, that's right. That's what God's Word says. Or you go, well, buddy, that sounds good. Sounds like something the world would say, but hey, let's look at Scripture, what it says, what it really says. And know truth. Know the truth. Because when we do, we speak truth and love with one another. In verse 15, 14 and 15, says, Then we will no longer be like children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning, with cleverness and, and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. We'll speak the truth in love where real discipleship takes place in relationship. We have to be in relationship with one another in his word, in humility, in the spirit, so that we can speak truth and love with one another and not get offended and not feel betrayed, but go, man, thank you. Thank you for the encouragement. Thank you for helping me in my walk. But that has to be in relationship, in small groups, meeting together, discipling relationships. If you're not connected in a small group of people, you need to be. That's where relationship happens. We become Christ-like. Verse 15, verse 16, From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the power, uh, proper working of each individual part. We become Christ-like. When these things happen, when we're working together, when we're excited about being the body of Christ and working together, we see Christ like believers. Not John like believers. I fall short all the time. But we see Christ like believers becoming more like Him. Becoming more like Him. Grow in every way into Him who is the head, Christ. We come together, we promote growth, we love one another. And we share the gospel. We share the gospel as believers, as one body of Christ, advancing, empowered to advance as one body of believers. And we share the gospel. We see Paul did it. Paul was one of the greatest evangelists to ever live. He shared the gospel. He encouraged believers. And he saw them come together and see the kingdom grow imprisoned for it. So then the big question is, am I part of the one body? Am I part of the one body? Are you? We read there in Ephesians chapter 2, the change that takes place when we go from death to life, from unbelief to belief in Christ, and that transformation in our lives takes place. We were dead in sin, condemned under wrath. God provides salvation through His Son that we cannot do on our own. He provides it as a gift, a gift of salvation in our life. Because it's a gift, we don't earn it. We, we must receive it. We must receive that gift of salvation provided in Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Christ, in his own words, he is the way to the Father. 
Maybe today you're that person. You're sitting there going, I I don't know. I don't have that. But I want what he's talking about. I want to know that resurrected Christ. I want to have that power of the Spirit in my own life. I want to be changed. I want to be made new. I know I've been living a lie. I know I've been living on my own, in my own way. But I need Christ. Maybe that's you today. You want to surrender to Him and give your life to Him. You can do that today. You can do that today. Or maybe you today are not doing so good about being part of the body. You've been hurt. You've been injured. You're like, man, I don't, I don't know. First step is restoring the relationship with Christ. Renewing that relationship with Him. That He desires with you. And second is restoring that relationship with others around us. Going to that person on the inside, we just boil and restoring that relationship. We must come together and be empowered to advance the gospel. As we go into this time of invitation, the praise band, praise team comes up. I want you to think about your own life and where you're at and your walk with Him. For that first person who was going, maybe, I don't know, I don't know him, but I want to. I'm going to pray in a minute. And if that's you, just in the quietness of your own heart, thinking about the words that I'm, I'm sharing, it's not about the words that I'm saying. It's between you and, and the Lord. And just giving your heart and your life to him. As I pray, just pray that with me to him, between you and him. And then as we have this time of invitation, I pray that you just come. Share that with somebody who's, who's up here up front. Just share that with us. And then if you're the second person and your relationship with the Lord is not where it needs to be, your relationship with people is not where it needs to be, and being one body together, take some time. Just come up and pray where you're at. Make that relationship right with Him. And then if you need to go to somebody else, Pray with them. Do that. Or later today, or wherever it may be, take this time. Spend it with him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just come to you. and Lord, for that person today that is going, I need you. Lord, I pray that they would just, within their own heart, they would just pray, Lord, I, I understand that I'm, I'm sinful, that I'm separated from you. And today, I, I want to give my life to you. I don't know what all that means, but I want to give my heart and my life to you. And I want you to come into my life and I want you to change me and make me new. I invite you to come in to my life. I want to follow you with everything that I have. In Jesus' name, amen.